1: Welcome in, everybody, to the Important
2: Nonsense Podcast, the Wednesday show, Thanksgiving show 2020. We are here. We're back. This week, a little bit of a different format. All the Americans are on vacation except for me. They all abandoned me. Nobody wanted to do it. So this week, I'm outsourcing it to our friends north of the border. We're bringing in the Canadians. Mr. Jack Cavanaugh, how you doing over there?
3: Oh, just fantastic. You know, we did get the snow over this weekend, which did suck. I wasn't happy about that. But I am happy to be joining you once again. Feels great. Get to celebrate. You guys may celebrate Thanksgiving at the wrong time of the year, but I'm okay. I'll take advantage of it because it's just always a pleasure to get to work with you, you know? It's
2: it's our holiday, Jack. It's our holiday. We can celebrate it whenever we want. If you say so. We do say so. We do say so. And uh, as you know, flattery will get you everywhere with me. And also from north of the border... Mr. Jordan McDonald, Jordan, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Neil. Thanks for having me on the show. It's Thanksgiving week, so that means Thursday football, and I'm—I uh, don't—I wouldn't say I'm excited, but there's some subpar football on, and I'll still be watching.
2: Yeah, subpar football is going to be the theme of this Thanksgiving. So, uh, so let's let's break into it here. Loyal listeners will will know that typically on Thanksgiving, the way that this works is we break down the entire slate of Thursday night games, and this year will be no different. So that's the theme of this show. We're going to go game by game, take you around, get you, help you get set up for trying to – it's a weird week. It's a split week. So we'll let the Friday show, Jack, cover the, the Sunday slate, and today we'll break down just Turkey Day-related news and games. So kicking it off with a little bit of news that came out this week, uh, the night game is Ravens-Steelers, and we'll get there. but. This is where most of the news is, unfortunately, and it's not a fun topic because I know people come here for escapism, but the reality is on Monday, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins both tested positive for COVID-19. Neither will be playing on Thursday. So fire up the Gus bus. Gus Edwards backed up by Justice Hill. They are the only two running backs remaining on the Ravens roster. We'll, We'll take a deep dive on them and we actually do the proper game breakdown. And then right as we were sitting down to record this, about 20 minutes before we started, three other Ravens players, (laughs) including edge rusher Pernell McPhee, and five Ravens staff members have tested positive for COVID-19. Adam Schefter is reporting that if there are any more positives, that the game may functionally be canceled. So that is unfortunate, as we know, and uh, we'll talk about that properly when we actually get to the actual game breakdown here at the end. Uh, another piece of news, just real quick, DeAndre Swift uh, missed last week's game with the concussion. He is still in the protocol. Uh, uh, yesterday, he was listed as a non-participant in practice, which is an estimate, estimated practice report. And today, Tuesday, he was actually uh, listed as limited. So that's good. He's trending in the right direction. He is still not a certainty for Thursday, but the Lions will take any help that they can get. Uh, Kenny Galladay, the other player to note for the Lions, uh, listed on Monday, it was limited on the estimated report, but downgraded on Tuesday to a do, did not practice, and I'm concerned personally that Kenny Galladay will not be making it uh, to Thursday, which is unfortunate. But let's let's break this down. First game: Houston Texans, Detroit Lions. Let's start off with the Houston Texans, and then we'll circle back around to Detroit. Both of these teams obviously will be playing for something. Houston is going to play every game for the remainder of the year due to Bill O'Brien's unique idea and trading philosophies that ultimately get him fired. And Detroit will likely be doing the same thing because Matt Patricia is coaching for his job. But let's start on the Houston side of the ball, gentlemen. No Randall Cobb. He's going to miss with the foot injury. Kenny Stills limited with the quad injury. So the target share at wide receiver is going to be consolidated between Brandon Cooks and Will Full. So Jack, What do you prefer, Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller?
3: Well, so overall, I am starting both. I'm starting Deshaun Watson, and I'm going to profit. And I'm not even against playing Jordan Aikens if I have to. He went for over 80 yards last week. But to your initial question, it's got to be Cooks. Ever since they fired Bill O'Brien, Brandon Cooks has 50 targets. That's four more than Will Fuller has. He has 37 receptions. That's eight more than Will Fuller. And Brandon Cooks has 496 yards. That's 62 yards more than Will Fuller. The only category that Fuller is beating him in is touchdowns, which we know is super fluky. He's got a four to three edge there. And so credit to our boss, not yours, Neil, but my boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, who's not with us today, but he nailed it in the preseason that Brandon Cooks would be the wide receiver one of the Houston Texans. And it's indisputable at this point that being said, though, it's still the Lions. They're both going for over 100 and at least a touchdown against the Lions. They're so, so terrible on defense.
2: <laughs> I'm sure if you asked him, he would tell you he's my boss. Not actually accurate, but I'm sure that's what he would <laughs> Jordan, same question to you, my friend. Brandon Cooks versus Will Fuller. What do you think? Playing both?
0: Yeah, I, I play both just because the Lions are not very good. And just to touch on it, Kenny Stills, limited in practice... Might might play this week, but it's still up in the air. So we'll see if Kiki Kuti can make an impact. He got his first targets last week. so the first time since week two. So maybe not enough to start him. I wouldn't advise anybody to do that. But I also agree that I would rather have Cooks. If I had to choose between one of them, I would choose Cooks because he has seemed to establish himself as Watson's favorite target. And yeah, his production has skyrocketed since Bill O'Brien has been fired because besides last week, he has seen at least eight targets in each week since Bill O'Brien has been fired, which was week five. As for Jordan Akins, you know, it, it was optimistic to see that he had five catches on 83 yards. That's pretty good from the Texans tight end spot. That has pretty much been a wasteland for as the longest time. Not willing to risk it, though, in this game, because I don't want to burn my tight end spot that early in the week. But if you're desperate enough, you can go ahead and do that, but you'll probably be praying for a goal line touchdown because, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice.
2: Let's talk about that for a second because you brought it up and we'll circle back to tight end here properly. But for me, uh, I actually have Fuller ahead of Cooks this week just because if you're looking for the big play type of thing, I'm still going to ride out Will Fuller, to be honest with you. I've got them both in the 20s. So in my I'm more in alignment with Jack. If I'm picking between the two of them, I lean Fuller for one more week still detroit's defense uh, especially their secondary is a travis Sham mockery and i'm playing both they're both functionally wide receiver twos for me they're in that 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 mid-20s type of neighborhood uh but just a general philosophy thing here before we move into into texans tight end for a second do you guys have any hesitation starting guys on thursday for the thanksgiving slate because i know thursday we usually downgrade guys a little bit just in general for the thursday night game because they get a short week do you do the same thing here with the Thursday night games in general?
3: Like typically, yes, we do. However, for Jordan Akins, he is playing the lions. It means he gets Jelani Tavai, to buy one of the worst linebackers in the league, 250 pounds, runs a four and nine. I don't understand why that's what Matt Patricia goes to, but he can't <laughs> hang with a tight end like Jordan Akins. He can't hang with anyone. Neither can the safety of the draft last year, Will Harris. So yes, you are right in theory. However, in this one practical sense, Jordan Akins is not the worst play at tight
0: end. Okay. Yeah, And that's for me, me. I I usually you obviously you play your studs. So if Kenny Galladay plays, you, you have to play him. Guys like that. But the the low lower key guys, the guys that you're like, oh, it's got a good matchup. If this goes right, I'm a little hesitant because yeah, you, you might ruin your week just because of just you playing at a guy who has a chance not will actually see the production that you want to see him in. So. That's just me though. If, if you want to go ahead and, and play a guy like that, that isn't really seen as a as a fantasy stud, then that's your choice and you can live with the results, good or bad. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. As we always say,
2: it is up to you to make your own decisions and manage your team, make decisions that you can live with. Uh, Kahale Warring was activated from IR at tight end for the Texans. Keep an eye on that for Dynasty. But for the purposes of this game for redraft, is always the theme of this show. Uh, it's Jordan Akins if he's healthy. If not, it's Darren Fells. And I actually agree. I think I would be interested in playing Akins, depending on what my other options are. It's just mostly based on the idea that tight end is an utter wasteland. There are three good options, maybe six, three other ones that you might feel okay about, and then you get to pass that, and literally it's all coin flips from there. But the reason that I would be a little bit interested in Akins is because he's been developing that chemistry. Uh, with Deshaun Watson when he's on the field. And additionally, he's been getting some red zone work, which you love to see. But also, it's to Jack's point, Matt Patricia is a fraud, okay? You want to know how I know that? Because he wears a pencil behind his ear, but uses a laminated play sheet. That's a con man move, if I've ever seen one, right?
3: Like, we can all agree on that. Con man, con man. Oh, co- complete con man. Completely conned the Lions ownership and com- completely conned the brass and if they don't win on Thursday, I think it's pretty safe to say he is going to be fired because I don't think they you know if it'll officially mathematically eliminate them from the playoffs, but they'll be like three or four games behind everyone else in the NFC at this point. So they brought Matt Patricia in to make the playoffs, and it's not going to happen. So you got to fire him when he doesn't make the playoffs. They, Lions fan deserves this. Just give them the Thanksgiving gift that they want. Fire Matt Patricia.
2: Now, fun fact. I mean, if if Matt Patricia won the rest of his games and then went sixteen and zero next year, he would still be half a game behind Marvin Lewis.
3: Lovely. Just so like there,
2: it. there you go. That's that's what it. That's what that should tell you. Pencil behind the ear, laminated play sheet. No, no. This needs to. This 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 charade needs to end. We all can come to a agreement. We are not even talking about the. We have any, We can't even stay on the Texans. All right. Let's round off the Texans here with what I think is the most intriguing topic, because it was a hot, hot waiver ad and it really hasn't panned off until now. You got that 18 a couple weeks ago, and since then, very pedestrian.
3: Do do either of you trust Duke Johnson? Like, no, absolutely not. But a little tiny bit, because Matt Patricia is a fraud, and because it's Lions. No, overarchingly, no. The thing about Duke is, in the first game without David Johnson, played 94% of the snaps, handled 100% of the carries. That was all great. He ran 26 routes. CJ Prozise, he only had two routes run. Didn't matter at all. In the second game, though, Duke played only seventy-seven percent of the snaps. CJ Prozice he gets in there for twenty-four percent. Duke runs thirty-three routes, which is an uptick. That's great, but we know Deshaun Watson doesn't check it down. He only had five targets and only caught three. CJ Proseice he gets in the game and he gets two targets and he catches both of them. So I know what you're thinking. Why are we talking about CJ Proseice twenty twenty? It doesn't matter. You're absolutely right. He doesn't matter. But the problem here, once again, we're seeing in real time, a coaching staff has decided that Duke Johnson isn't the answer. He's not an RB1. We saw it with Hugh Jackson, saw it with Freddie Kitchens, saw it with Bill O'Brien. Now we're seeing it with Romeo Cornell. The only head coach to give Duke Johnson 100-plus carries was Mike Pettin in Cleveland. He's a defensive coordinator and a bad one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I love Duke. I wish him well. But he's not the answer.
2: I would argue that all of those names are pretty much coaching failures with aside from Romeo Cornell, but he's really only had success as a long-term DC. Uh, Jordan, Duke Johnson, yay or nay?
0: Yeah, I'm also going to say no, but the Texans are playing a team whose rush defense is almost as bad as theirs. Like The Texans give up the second most fancy points running backs and the Lions give up the first, yet both these backfields don't seem to be fancy relevant, especially if Swift doesn't play. If Swift plays, it's a different question, don't get me wrong. So if you're really desperate at running back, I I could justify playing Duke, but this Texas run game has been obsolete all season and there's no guarantee it will work out despite these circumstances. So if if it's a hope and a prayer for that one, if if that's my answer.
2: That's fair. That's fair. He's also ranked uh, roughly in that area. Uh, Matchup based kind of pushes him a little higher up the table than I think he would be, but uh, even with the good matchup, he's still only coming in pretty much consensus for just about everybody in the 20s, I'd say. That's pretty much where where that that kind of lies for Duke Johnson. But, you know, the Texans are easy because you only have a couple of swing players. Duke Johnson, Jordan Akins, Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller's not even like a swing player anymore for most people, given where they had to invest to actually. How their team works, he's probably playing for them. But everybody else, you're pretty much starting. So let's not spend any more time on Houston. Let's talk about the much more interesting topic because we can't we can't even stop ourselves from talking about it. We're supposed to be talking about something else. Let's talk interesting about interesting.
3: good interesting is a good word to use. Yeah. I like the word interesting. Good yeah. selection there.
2: Yeah, and if 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 you think dumpster fires are interesting, right? And I do because they are. You know, it's <laughs> it's fun to watch how people react to crisis. Um, but let's talk about the lions here. Let's break it down. Kenny Galladay missed Tuesday with a hip, as we mentioned in the news segment. It is very unlikely that he is playing in this game. However, if Kenny Galladay is playing for the Lions, he's playing for you. He's too good to be sitting him down. I doubt you have better options unless your team is stacked in some way. DeAndre Swift got in that limited practice. You love to see it. We as a show and as a website, very excited about DeAndre Swift moving forward. I think it's easily fair to say that. Love him for Dynasty. Love what he's going to be able to do the rest of the way, especially given the the schedule, and if I if Matt Patricia has even half a brain cell, you would think that give the ball to Swift because I need playmakers that can do anything, but, of course, he'll have Adrian Peterson out there. And for what it's worth, Danny Amendola missed Monday and Tuesday with the hip injury. I really don't think that's worth much, and I don't think he's even going to play. The Lions desperately need playmakers. They need Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift to play in this game If they want to have any kind of shot, especially given Matthew Stafford now nursing a thumb injury, because of course he is. He's always nursing something. Let me ask you this directly. Are there any non-T.J. Hawkinson Lions that are startable?
3: No, no, no. Unless there's the very the unique scenario that if I somehow had been rolling with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and I don't have any other better options on my bench other than Marvin Jones, that's like the only scenario in which I'm playing Marvin Jones. TJ Hawkinson's the only viable option on this offense. Like I've got Marvin Jones all the way down at wide receiver 47. He's barely a wide receiver four for me. He's behind Denzel Mims, behind Mike Williams, behind Brashad Perriman. He's only one slot ahead of Corey Davis for me. So that tells you what you need to know about my opinion on Marvin Jones. He's in the Corey Davis level of bad.
0: Yeah, we are talking about Matt Patricia and how he's a fraud as a coach. And I don't know if this is on Daryl Bevel, but why are you giving touches to Adrian Peterson when you have DeAndre Swift, who you draft in the second round? And clearly that doesn't matter for teams anymore. We see A.J. Dillon draft the second round. So what do I know? Anyways... Uh, yeah, I probably play a Jones if you're in a, if you're very deep leagues, very deep leagues with not a lot of options because there is some sort of value there just because the opportunity will be there with you know the injured with Galdi injured and with Amendola probably not playing he'll probably just have to fend off Hawkinson for for targets in this one. But again, I am risk averse, so I wouldn't want to burn a flex spot at the beginning of the week if you're thinking oh Marvin Hall is going to kind get those those targets probably not going to happen. He'll probably end up with a minimal output so. Yeah, I'm very, very, very hesitant to play Marvin Jones and the rest, just forget about it.
3: Imagine sitting there on Friday morning, you wake up and you see that 1.7 points from Marvin Hall in your lineup. You see that 4.3 from Adrian Peterson in your lineup. Just how awful are you going to feel for the rest of the weekend, knowing that you made that decision? Oh, and it's a holiday weekend too, so you got
2: nothing to, to do but sit and stew with it. Just just yeah. kick yourself for a couple days because you don't even have work to distract you. You could try and have family be the distraction for you, but that's a mixed bag. Not everybody's going to – some people you, are using fantasy football to get
0: out of that conversation. You can't even go out uh, the next day on Friday and fight people for uh, low-priced TVs. You have to stay in your house. So how are you going to let out that anger if that happens? So it's just a lose-lose at this point.
3: That's good. We all, we all lose with Lions football. Let's be honest with that. Each and every single one of us is a loser with Lions football, with the exception of the next big big thing, TJ Hawkinson. And that's it. He is the only winner right now in Detroit, as sad as it is to say. It's completely fair.
2: It's completely fair that that, that that's that's fair analysis, Jack, right there. Um, before we completely break on this game, because it's going to be schlock at the highest order. Uh, and we all agree on that. If Swift is cleared, obviously, we've already mentioned it. You're going to play him. Galladay. you're going to play him. But we have a moment here before we can take a break and dovetail into the next game, and we're probably not coming back to it. But I have been all in on DeAndre Swift long term. I was actually doing that in the preseason. And then for those who follow the trade tables that I write, uh, DeAndre Swift was one of my main targets for RB2 for down the stretch. And you saw what he can do when they give him the ball. Let's talk a little bit about about, you know, the concussion I'm not overly worried about. It's it's annoying and it's frustrating and it sucks for him more than it does for any of us. But when he's once he gets con- cleared, I have no doubt that he should come right back in and pick up where he left off. How do you guys feel about DeAndre Swift not only for the rest of this year, but just moving forward? Just a couple thoughts.
3: Like, he honestly has the potential to be a perennial top five running back. He already, in his limited career so far, we've already seen him have two top five performances on a week, and he's just got that kind of upside. He is Alvin Kamara 2.0, except he's a little bit bigger than Kamara, so he can handle those between the tackles carries, which is why Detroit started with giving him the goal line carries. So, yeah, honestly, he... By next year, I think he should be a first-round draft pick next year. Let's let's start with that. That's what he's going to be. Wow. First round next year in redraft? Once they get a competent coach, once they make some upgrades, yeah, I'm, I, he's going to be a first-round pick. Wow. All right. Jordan, any thoughts on DeAndre Swift for the career,
2: long-term, rest of the well, season and beyond?
0: Yeah, long-term, I think he's got a, a great chance to succeed. I think he, he can reach the, the first round. I don't know if he'll be a 1st round or next year. But again, like the Jack said, they need to bring in a coach that doesn't siphon off catches to a 34-year-old running back because that doesn't help anybody. So and that's why I'm kind of low on him for the rest of the year, because I don't know how this backfield is going to work out. They completely forgot about Carry on Johnson. He's just obsolete at this point. And it's it's, you know, we've seen spurts of, of Swift here and there, but not completely. In some games, he started to to break out and then he had the concussion. So for this season, I'm a little lower on him, but rest of the Rest of his career, like he will be a perennial top running back from fantasy for sure. Yep. Once
2: they can get incompetent offensive play calling, which will remain to be seen. There's no guarantee that they're going to go hire somebody who will be able to figure out how to unlock it. But I think, I think that there's a better chance of that happening than not happening given the starting. I think we would. So I tell you what, let's take a break. Let's get a little bit of water and then we'll talk about a game that might actually somehow be worse. All right. And we're back. We're gonna talk about the afternoon game here. This is this is coming in right at four o'clock. Right at dinner time for a lot of people. Four o'clock Eastern time is dinner on Thanksgiving for some reason. Washington football team goes on the road to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, the other traditional Thursday Thanksgiving matchup. Oh. I can't even I can't even get through this without sighing. So Just a little bit of housekeeping. Cowboys actually closed their facility and canceled practice on Tuesday after strength and conditioning coach Marcus Paul rushed to the hospital shortly before the team arrived for practice. He's undergoing further testing. Our thoughts are with Paul, his family, and the team. We wish him a speedy recovery. This game is going to go on as expected. It is not in jeopardy of being canceled like another game. It's just a short week getting shorter. And, well, let's kick it off with the road team. Let's just break this down. Washington football. What's to say? Well, isn't the, to say. Well, the fun story is where we'll start. Alex Smith, right? What a what a what a great real football story, right? Just gruesome leg injury. Probably functionally was going to be out of the league. Has all these surgeries, nearly lost his leg, and has managed to rehab and come all the way back. And has, as we correctly called in the preseason, the only fantasy outlet to do so. By the way. Alex Smith was the backup and would eventually take over the starting job. And we got told we were crazy. Already happened. Weirdly, the last two not counting last game, but the two weeks prior, Alex Smith had put up back-to-back 300-yard performances, which, was, which is not Alex Smithian. We got a lot of tape on the man. That is not his normal stat line. Last week, he kind of came back down to earth. But this matchup against the Cowboys, let me just ask it point blank.
3: Alex Smith, worth streaming? Like, how do you not love a guy who has his hamstring in his shin because of surgery and that's what he's been able to come back through? However, I don't completely love it as a streamer, the same time you know how some of these leagues get you get late in the year people start hoarding qbs you're left scrambling so i have alex smith as a qb 20 this week behind ben roethlisberger who we'll get to later but just behind carson wentz and that's only because carson wentz gets seattle but i have him get ahead of Kirk cousins who i expect Alvin's going to run over the panthers and i have him ahead of matthew stafford who i'm fading hard this week with galladay and potentially swift out so the Cowboys, cornerback two, Anthony Brown, he is expected to be out with ribs. They're already missing their cornerback one in Tri- Vaughn Diggs, which means Terry McLaurin's going to get Chidobe Awuzie, who in three games, he's allowing 75% of his targets to be caught, 146 yards, and two TDs in just three games. Or he gets Jordan Lewis, who the Cowboys drafted in 2017, and they've been spending four years hiding because he's been terrible. So, no, and before anyone mentions it, I don't care that Terry McLaurin was limited Thursday with an ankle injury. Don't care at all. He's a top-seven lock at receiver right now. And because of that, there's upside with Smith. Because his defense is so bad, because it's a Thursday game, they didn't have time to prepare for him. So, yeah, back-end QB2, and you could end up playing him in some some leagues. And realistically, you could convince me to put him ahead of Carson Wentz because he stinks.
0: Yeah, I agree with the. Uh... The Carson Wentz hate, and I, you know, I love me some Terry McLaurin. that's just going to help Alex Smith out, but I don't think he's the worst guy you can play. The Cowboys give it the 10th most fancy points to opposing quarterbacks, so if you're somebody who needs to replace Joe Burrow, or you want to move on from Wentz or another guy that isn't playing as well, then yeah, I think Smith's a suitable option. The performance against the Bengals wasn't ideal for his fancy stock, but like you said, Neil... He was on a steady pace the previous two games. He's kind of playing from behind in those games, which helped him. But I think that this uh, this game will will kind of see the same thing because I think it'll be competitive on both sides. Because if you guys didn't know, whoever wins this game is going to be atop the AFC or NFC East. So that's something that we we probably should be talking about if you guys want. But I really don't no, want to. I, don't I really want don't to. want to.
2: <laughs> I, I, Thank you,
0: Neil. Thank you.
2: We're we're going to have to at some point to your point. But I don't. Do I want to? No. No, I don't. That is.
0: Yeah, sorry about that, but I'll end off with this. This week, there's no teams on buy, so nobody will really be scrambling for a fill-in unless those guys I aforementioned looking for people to replace them. So hopefully you can scoop these available if you need them.
2: That's kind of where I lined up with it, Jordan, was, was, you know, if I'm scrambling to replace Joe Burrow, that was the exact name I was going to, if, if we didn't already touch on it, I was going to literally serve it up. Uh, if I'm looking for Joe Burrow replacements, because I don't have another one, I think you could do worse than a one-week rental than Alex Smith. Obviously, I'd rather have like a Derek Carr as my QB two for the rest of the way, but who knows? He's probably still available given his low ownership percentage and that it's not sexy. But to what Jack had mentioned, I like him or Kirk Cousins. I don't buy into the whole Kirk Cousins thing. It's kind of the Spider-Man meme with those two because they're both a risk to give you a seven at any given time. But also Matthew Stafford with no weapons and a beat-up thumb. I have no interest in that. So there are guys that you could theoretically be trying to rotate through and stream that would come in under. Drew Locke would be another one if anybody's still playing Drew Locke. I'd much rather take my shot on Alex Smith on, on, against the horrible, horrible Cowboys defense. But let's, let's talk about skill position for a second because we've already kind of touched on Scary Terry. Scary Terry requires no discussion for me. He is a top 10 receiver the rest of this, of the rest of the way. And frankly, for his career, like, let's just be honest about who scary Terry is at this point. I remember last season at the end of the year, you know how they go around and interview players about uh, defensive players, particularly about offensive guys that they had to cover. And they talk about who, you know, has given them problems and things like that. And scary, Terry McLaurin was one of the most heavily named guys from a lot of the matchups that he was in last year, where one of the quotes was they got a real one and he's paying that off in spades this year. Terry McLaurin is a monster. He's going to be a perennial start it and forget it. He's going to be, you know, you don't need to worry about scary Terry, even with him being beat up. I don't think if he's playing for, for Washington, he's playing for you. And I like him as a top 10 play the rest of the way. But what about some of these other guys that they have here in Washington? Like, your Antonio Gibson's, your JD McKissick's. Is there anybody that you want to talk about pursuant to this game or maybe for the future? I mean, can we play McKissick or is Antonio Gibson just going to totally kill
3: his value? I think it was more of a game script thing that killed McKissick last week. So they had the lead at halftime and then Joe Burrow went down. I think it was the first drive of the second half. Maybe it was the second drive. Doesn't matter. They just ran out of the clock in the second half. We still saw McKissick play 32 snaps, though. Antonio Gibson played 33, so only one more snap. And McKissick runs 19 routes. Gibson runs 11. So he's still getting that receiving game usage. The problem last week was he only had three targets because they were up. And that same problem is why we saw Peyton Barber get eight carries. Why? Sorry, I... (laughs) I <laughs> because Peyton Barber doesn't, shouldn't be getting carries in the NFL. We
2: want to stop here and just talk about Peyton Barber and the life and times of Peyton Barber. No. And how in week one, he got those two touchdowns and everybody's waiver column at every news outlet was,
3: you got to pick up Peyton Barber. And then he hasn't done anything for the rest of the year because it's Peyton Barber. <laughs> Exactly. So Peyton Barber is irrelevant. He's only going to matter when they're up. And because it's Dallas, I think it's going to be a closer game. I think he's going to get McKissick is going to get more work because if you don't remember the two weeks before that, when Alex Smith was storing for 300 yards, he was the NFL leader in targets ahead of Devonte Adams. And so even after getting just the five character five targets last week, he is still fifth in targets and that's among receivers. Fantastic output from McKissick is going to be a value if in those PPR leagues if you have to play him.
0: Yeah, and I don't think people are talking about that as much. That McKissick's target share in those games uh with Alex Smith at the helm. It's it's been ridiculous. So in those two games, not including last week, 14 targets against the Giants and then 15 targets against the Lions. That's incredible. Iki said, like that's like must-start PPR territory. Uh, it, it, like I said before, it'll be hard to determine how this game will shape up. But like I said, it's important for NFC East seeding. So, and I'm saying that unsarcastically. So hopefully McKissick will be involved in a large way. But as I contradict myself, the Cowboys are allowing the second fewest receptions to running backs this season. And they actually haven't given up a receiving touchdown to any running back this season. So the possibility does exist that McKissick could be a flop. But I, I think that the potential kind of outweighs the risk here. So I would go ahead and play McKissick.
2: Okay, so uh, functionally, here's what we're saying about Washington for Thursday. Alex Smith is a streamer, maybe. JD McKissick is more or less a streamer. I've got him at like running back 24, for the record, in my rankings. I don't have the consensus in front of me, but I have a feeling that we're all going to be in roughly the same neighborhood. He's going to be in that like top part of flex, low-end RB2 type thing, which is why he is kind of the focal point of the conversation. So those two are maybe the two guys you can play. And then obviously you're going to play Antonio Gibson. He's been too good and he's too valuable to you realistically for you to be sitting him at this point. And then you're playing scary Terry every single week that he, uh, he's actually suiting up for an NFL franchise. Right. So those two kind of get removed from the conversation. So is there anybody else that we want to talk about? Cause we've covered that the two that I wanted to talk about in Smith and McKissick, which we've kind of come back with. There is a
3: real I- chance that you could play McKissick. I would be remiss if I didn't mention this for the nerd. So at that FF nerd, Jason Draven, he of course wants me to remind you that Logan Thomas is always in play at tight end.
0: Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth, Jack. I was going to say the exact same thing. I think, I'd, I think we'd be doing the nerd a disservice by not bringing up Logan Thomas. I, I I think his second favorite player behind Austin Eckler. I, I genuinely believe that. It's only because Thaddeus Moss is got. got that's yeah, that's yeah. true. That's only because of that, <laughs> and he can't. He can
2: come at me himself if he that little quip. Uh, I am not super thrilled about Logan Thomas, and the only reason that I'm willing to entertain this is because it's tight end. We already talked about it a second ago in the first game. Anybody except for three or four guys is realistically just kind of a coin flip, and to back up what you guys are saying and what the nerds' point generally is with Logan Thomas. It ain't sexy, but he gets targets. And in this game, would it shock me if Logan Thomas caught four passes on five or six targets and maybe falls into the end zone? No. Also, that's every tight end once you get past TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews territory. That's literally the risk you run with any of them. Like, it goes off a cliff so aggressively that, sure, if you want to stream Logan Thomas against the Cowboys, I'm not really going to fight with you about it. I do think there are better options check your waiver wire. But if you're stuck with that, because that's just the state of it, feel free. Uh, Generally speaking, I'm just not crazy about the Cowboys this week against the tough Washington D. So let's pivot into the Cowboys here and kind of talk about just Cowboy football a little bit here. How about them Cowboys? Like I said, It's hard for me to come up with a whole lot of enthusiasm for any of this, but even with that, you're probably starting Zeke, you're probably starting Amari Cooper, you're probably starting CeeDee Lamb unless you have better options, but I find that unlikely that you have better options realistically than those three guys. Maybe you have better options than Lamb, but even with the bad play, he's still been startable. So just generally speaking here, guys, are you worried about about any of, of your skill
3: position guys in Dallas? I really was worried about Zeke, but then after the last two games, the one where they had Garrett Gilbert, double G running, it was fun- looked functional enough. And then they had Andy Dalton after the bye. That looked a lot better too. So now that they are actually running an NFL offense, I believe in him. He's back to like the top 10-ish guy. You probably have to play him. I'm no longer actively fading him like I was before. And For the receivers... In the two full games that Dalton has started, so we're not counting the last time that they played Washington when he got hurt. Amari Cooper, he has 17 targets in those two games. CeeDee Lamb, one less, he has 16 targets. Amari Cooper, he has 13 grabs. CD has 11. The big difference here, Cooper has 160 yards. CD only has 98. Both have a single touchdown because we know the Cowboys offense isn't scoring a lot of touchdowns. But because Cooper's got the clear lead in yardage and he is seeing more targets and more receptions, we do have to roll with him. I'm not fully out on Lamb, and it's only because he kind of seems like a better version of Tyler Boyd with Andy Dalton, where he just gets fed those little dump offs and eventually those will hit. Because we've seen it hit with Tyler Boyd, and so Lamb is Fair. Infin- infinitely better than Tyler Boyd. So Fair. there's that ho- little strand of hope there. Michael Gallup, he's completely useless. Four receptions in two games on 11 targets, mind you. And then we have... <sighs> Yeah, it's bad. And then we have Dalton Schultz. He has 10 targets and eight grabs, but only 60 yards and a TD. So he's like a poor man's Tyler Eifert in this situation. It's not good either because Dalton's ceiling is so li- limited.
2: Yeah, and I got a bone to pick with you, Jack, because I haven't had a chance to talk to you. But in the preseason, you were the one who convinced me that I was too low on Michael Gallup. And I will be expecting my apology edible arrangement whenever oh, you have get around Oh, I am so
3: sorry. That. That, I was so wrong. You know, I... I had I had the logic behind it, and I I'm right in the sense that he does make those explosive downfield plays. Well, you sweet talk me. You sweet talk me. I was wrong in how it.
2: often Dak would uh, look
3: at him. I thought that CD would take some time. Well, and
2: then Dak goes away, and Dalton's just hucking it to him, and I'm like, oh, I've seen Andy Dalton do this before. He finds a guy he's comfortable with, and just locks in on it. Like look at all those AJ Green seasons, right, where he just throws it to him. Doesn't matter if he's covered, and he was doing it in that first game before he got hurt, and he got like five targets in that game. And he dropped yeah, three of them. He it, they it, it, were on him. He dropped them. Like and he's got four drops. It's so bad. And yeah, we apologize for Michael Gallup on behalf of I Michael Gallup. I sincerely
3: apologize. That that
2: is Brad. one of our our. It's a more under the radar type of blunder because you weren't alone. Believe me, we were. There were a number of us who were who were on that that bandwagon because it was going to be Dak and our apologies. Even with Dak, he was useless. Uh, Jordan, is there anybody you want to talk about on the Cowboys? Anybody?
0: Uh, I mean, Jack kind of summed it up nicely. Like, we know Amari Cooper will get his, and so will C.D. Lamb. And it seems like D- Dalton Schultz is a better option over Michael Gallup right now. So, if you're, if you're still playing Michael Gallup right now, I don't know what else to tell you. Well, you're out of the playoffs oh. if
2: you're still playing Michael <laughs> Gallup by now. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's over. Yeah. Uh, there is so little to talk about in this game. Look at how quickly we got through this, because it's NFC East football. Catch the fever. The- <laughs> Jordan, I, I can't believe this. is You've brought it up. I can't believe this is like determining playoff seed.
0: Yeah, one of these teams are going to be four and seven and leading their division. I can't believe that unless unless it ends in a tie, which would just sum up NFC East football in twenty
2: twenty. It really would. Actually, I'm kind of rooting for the tie now that you bring it up. Now that's officially what I'm rooting for. I hope it's a tie. That'd be great. Just to throw gasoline on this whole nightmare. Uh, this game, folks. I'm 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 sorry if this will be happening during (laughs) mealtime because it means that you guys may actually have to have a conversation while you're eating because this is not going to be pretty. It's going to be an ugly, ugly game. I'm not expecting much. And what I am, like I said, in the middle of this sandwiched in there worried about is Washington's defense is the truth. Does anybody want to talk me off that? Because I don't see how you're going to. Washington's defense is actually a couple players away from being like a legitimate top five, like running type of defense. And just like on aggregate they're really solid and that front seven is disgusting i'm really concerned that andy dalton gets killed again in this game because that o-line just sh- sh- proved last time they couldn't stop it
0: yeah they could I be mean, they moved zach martin to right tackle because they're so depleted it seems I, I agree with you this this football team defense i hate i hate the football team name uh, that's a why we refer perfect. to them as either the r's or the Ravens, yeah. typically
2: I, around here
0: I, i've actually been calling them the washington stupid names but that's just me that works too uh, but no, you're right. like it seems like it's been a, an underrated storyline that they are very good against the pass like I, I'd have to look up the numbers right now, but they're like at least in the top five for uh most yeah you know, most passing yards against or at least sorry at least part passing yards against. so yeah, and Jack del Rio I knew when Jack del Rio came in I was like that is a solid guy to have leading your defense with Ron Rivera looking looking over that like they have the pieces in place. it just the offense needs to get a little bit better for the defense to start working out. but yeah, this team has a has potential that's for sure.
2: Not something that I thought we would be saying when referencing Washington. They have potential. All right, folks, I think we've beaten that to a bloody pulp for a game that frankly isn't worth that much time. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back to break down the nightcap. By far, the most interesting game of the Thursday slate.
1: Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game.
2: That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less.
1: In Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win.
2: So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry.
1: I mean, obviously you go big or you go home.
2: Obviously. Then there's rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win, but again, more risk, the higher the reward.
1: Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry, but if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. You can buy me a lot of Janu Smith jerseys with that money, Neil.
2: You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target.
1: But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve... You can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many John Jonu jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money
2: from Monkey Knife Fight for free.
1: Oh, do love the free.
2: Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code nonsense. That's promo code nonsense. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50.
1: This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code Nonsense, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend.
0: And we're back.
2: All right, folks, one last game to get through here. Ravens-Steelers Thursday Night Football in the truest sense. The Thanksgiving primetime game. Enjoy trying to fight through a food coma to stay up late enough to actually watch this game. Because they went ahead and they did the smart thing. They They put the best game on last, just in time for everybody to be wrapping up the holiday or, frankly, just be sick of each other at that point. So it's time to watch a real football game. We already mentioned it on the top in the news. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, unfortunately. Uh, who has really been coming on? Both test positive for COVID-19. You hate to see that. We wish them a speedy recovery. Shout out to them. Our hearts go out to their families. Hopefully, they're gonna, they'll be fine. And for the purposes of this game, what that means is the Gus Bus, Gus Edwards being spelled by Justice Hill. There's no one else, folks. There's nobody else even on the roster. We'll see if they bring somebody up from the practice squad. We'll see if they do something else. But for right now, they have two running backs and Lamar. So Jack, I'll let you kick this off. Gus bus uh, justice Hill. What do?
3: So it's gotta be Gus Edwards. You know, 2019 me would say, don't sleep on justice Hill. Cause 2019 me was drafting justice Hill all over the 13th round of best ball leagues. I, Anyways, the point is the Ravens 2019 fourth round pick out of Oklahoma State. He killed me last year because he didn't get any playing time and then was immediately replaced the next draft by JK Dobbins. However, there is still a modicum of upside with hill. He will be the passing down back. He's 5'10, he's 198 pounds compared to Gus Edward, who's like 235, 258 pounds, something like that. I don't know. He's a massive bus. But us or sorry. Justice Hill relegated Chris Carson, another intimidating power back, to a committee at Oklahoma State. So that's important to remember. But either way, it's going to be really tough sledding against Steelers. So I don't know if I fully trust Edwards at all against the Steel Curtain. and I definitely don't trust Justice Hill. I just hope I see a little flash or two to give old me a little bit of hope.
0: Yeah, Uh, what do you think? I'm just saying don't put Gus Edwards on a pedestal. Like, the opportunity is there, and it seems enticing, but the Steelers are still tough against the run. Let's not forget that. And the Ravens seem to love their committee backfield. We've seen it all season. I know J.K. Dom has kind of pushed ahead in the last game, but that's kind of went out the window now. So I don't think Gus will absorb all of the workload, and I think Justin Hill, Justice Hill could be more involved than we think. And yes, plus we have Lamar, and he'll have his 12-plus carries. In this game, and don't be surprised if you see a few carries from Patrick Ricard or somebody somebody else that we're not thinking of. So, but I'm not advising anybody to play Justice Hill, nor am I advising anybody to sit Gus Edwards. I just think we need to like stand back and have a realistic view on this situation.
2: I agree. So, for me, Gus Edwards is functionally a flex,
0: he's a decent flex,
2: but I can't really even justify in a week where no one's on bye, right? He can't really crack my top 24. So Gus Edwards to me is a flex. There's definitely some upside. He will get first crack at this. I'm a little concerned that he gets vultured by Justice Hill because to what we've been discussing, look at what the Ravens have done to this point. They haven't run one guy. They're running a committee. And that's really kind of how the coaching staff seems to want it. They don't want to have one bell cow guy. They want to just spread it around. So, I think unless Justice Hill comes out and looks flatly terrible, he will be involved at some level in the game. That being said, Justice Hill for me is not startable, even as a flex. He is not a waiver claim. He literally just exists at this point for the purposes of this game to siphon value off of Gus Edwards, right? So, Justice Hill for me, you don't even need to waiver claim it. He goes right back to irrelevant here in like a week or two. Don't waste your time. Gus Edwards, on the other hand, is probably going to be because as we record this a day early because of the holiday, it is Tuesday night and people are looking at setting their waivers. I would be shocked if Gus Edwards is not the number one waiver claim. Right? Am I insane? Anybody want to tell me I'm insane?
3: It's going to happen. It doesn't need to, but it will.
2: That's my point. It's I'm just dealing with like what's going to happen, right? Like it's not even what's most likely to happen. It's look at your other options. I guess maybe if uh, Salvin Ahmed was still available. I might want to take a sh- I, I personally would probably rather have Salvin Ahmed uh,
0: over at Gus Edwards. Anybody want to tell me I'm crazy about that? And no, I won't, because they're playing the Jets. And I mean, you play play all your skill players against the Jets. That's what I've learned. Exactly.
2: It re- high level analysis right there, right? Like, it's not paint by numbers at all, but it's so accurate. The Jets couldn't. The Jets couldn't stop anybody if they wanted to, and they're not going to. So Salvin Ahmed, I'd rather have, and he's a potential waiver claim. But that's kind of my point. The fact that that's even a conversation tells you what you need to know about Gus Edwards. So for me, he's a flex. And then also layer onto that, while Salvin Ahmed will be playing a division game against the utterly just dreadful Jets, Gus Edwards is going to be running against that Steelers uh, front seven. Nobody wants that. No, 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 no. I do not like that. I do not like the idea that it's going to be replacement level Gus Edwards running against an incredibly scary run defense. And frankly, it's a game I expect the Ravens to be trailing. So I don't know how you guys feel about game script in this one. But let's talk about that for a second. I'm expecting the Ravens to be trailing in this game, making it difficult for Gus Edwards to really like get any traction in the proper run game. So for me, this is about dining out on pass catches, which he may get, which is why I have him as a flex. But that's, that's kind of how I'm reading this. Does anybody have any kind of pushback for me? I'm guessing no,
3: you no, know, not at all. Especially because the Steelers' defense is so fearsome; like right? it, it's hard enough running on them at all. And the Ravens' offense just struggled in general, so it's going to be all about the passing options. Except the problem with this, and I'm I'm going to get jump ahead here, but no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We're segueing now. Now we'll just segue directly. Into- but you you got to be about the passing game, but you can't be about Hollywood Brown at all. He hasn't shown us anything. at as of late, he was outproduced by Dez Bryant last week. And Des Bryant hadn't caught a pass in an NFL game since 2017. That's ridiculous. So not to mention over the last four games, Willie freaking Snead has out-targeted Hollywood 24 to 16. Sneed has 11 more receptions and 175 yards more. And Willie Sneed's not good at all. Like, don't even, don't add him. into the was waste of your time. And so week one, we get Brown, he gets 101 yards, but he hasn't topped 100 in the game since then. He's had under 50 yards six times this season in 10 games, including each of the last four games. He hasn't reached double-digit targets once, so the volume's not there. He hasn't caught more than six passes in a game this season. It's honestly safe to call Hollywood a bust at this point on the same level as Michael Gallup, and we would be if he didn't start out with that 100-yard game. That's the only thing that's saving him at this point. And you look, the last time the Ravens faced the Steelers, Hollywood had a season low with two targets, and no, he was healthy for that whole game. He only got two targets at the very end of the game, the very final drive. He had two targets in the end zone, and he caught one of them for a three-yard TD. Even then, that wasn't enough for double-digit PPR points, which he's hit four times this season. He is a bust in fantasy and probably a bust in real life.
0: Oh, that was quite the passionate rant about Hollywood Brown there, gifts.
3: I'm mad. They drafted <laughs> him before AJ Brown, before DK Metcalf, before Terry McLaurin. Like,
2: come on! You didn't what even are we mention. Doing here? You didn't even mention that he's been upset about his targets, and he was took it to Twitter, and then he had to remove it, and they had to have a meeting with Harbaugh, and then they he probably got those get... vibes from his cousin. Yeah, I well, see it, and then he. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Saucy. Uh, that, that
0: fighting words.
2: Saucy. I love it. But you notice how he didn't get those targets? That was weeks ago that that all happened, and he didn't change anything. So that's not – normally you'd say the squeaky wheel gets greased. Eh, not in the good way. <laughs> he got greased by getting sent off into purgatory. But Jordan, take us through. What are your thoughts on this topic?
0: Yeah, it seems like the only pass catcher you can trust on the Ravens nowadays is Mark Andrew, who's not even a wide receiver. We, we've heard about – Hollywood Brown's transgressions, there's no and then Des you are really gonna trust Des Bryant? I mean, he, he hasn't played football in three years. He had one game and didn't really do too much. So wait, wait and see in that. Duvernay looks all right, but again, has I haven't seen enough to start it. There's nobody. Nobody on this team at wide receiver is 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 startable. So and you know, Hollywood Brown's fantasy have been steadily declined each week since they're by, and it came to a head with a goose egg this past weekend. So there's no chance you can rely on Hollywood and and expect anything substantial.
2: I agree with, with all of that. That's, that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation because I still see on the interwebs, and as we know, people know everything on the interwebs, people still want to trust Hollywood Brown, and I'm sorry, but as high as we were on him in the preseason, and as good as that first game was, and what a fun week it was, he just hasn't done anything at all since then. And he just, he's becoming a distraction. They're not looking his way. He's getting outplayed by Willie Sneed, to your point, Jack, and I will quote Steve Bonham here for a moment. Willie Sneed is not a thing. I don't know who needs to hear that, but apparently people do because I'm seeing him a lot on people's waiver pickup lists and things of that nature. (laughs) Willie Sneed is not good. And Willie Sneed is not a thing.
0: Can I just say something? Uh, When I was going through receivers and I was talking about Des Bryant and Duvernay, I didn't mention Boykin. I thought about Boykin, but he doesn't even deserve to be spoken about. I just did. I apologize for that. We literally just heard Jack talk about Willie Sneed, and I literally forgot about him. Like, truly and honestly forgot about Willie Sneed, and that's how much, how relevant he is right now. Correctly so. Correctly so. You hear the name, and it
2: goes from one ear right out the other ear. You don't retain it, and you just move on with your day. Because we've seen Willie Sneed for years, and while he is a perfectly capable, this is why we get a lot of flack from people that like Willie Sneed, for lack of a better way to explain it. And it's funny because, Jack, I know you've actually interacted with the man on Twitter in, a, uh, in an interesting manner. We could talk about that if you like. But uh, but Willie Sneed is a, is a serviceable enough like actual NFL player. He is, and That's the difference. But he's not a fantasy thing. That is not a fantasy thing. Not even as a flex. Do you have any idea how desperate I would need to be to roster and play Willie Snead flex? You're talking about like wide receiver 65 or lo- like. There's no way you're going to get there. There's a million names I would rather have that I would feel better about that have more upside and all that stuff. It's just really. I think that is the point that we wanted to drive home here, and I think we've done that. There are no Raven pass catchers at, that specifically are wide receivers that are startable. That's it. None of them, none of them. And it feeds into Lamar still underperforming, especially through the air. The only pass catcher that you can play in Baltimore and have any kind of confidence in it is Mark Andrews. And that's it. And it's really unfortunate, but that's kind of what it is. And I think it feeds into why the Ravens have been struggling so much recently. They just can't get anything going consistently through the air. Some of that's on Lamar, some of it's on the other weapons. And if Hollywood Brown's not careful, he's going to find his way deep, deep, deep into into the doghouse. and he may not come back out the other side. So as talented as he's proven to be over the sample we've seen in the first his first season, especially. it's It's kind of crazy, right? It's like a total one eighty from what we were getting last year where he started off and he just kept getting more involved and kept looking better and more involved. and. Look to repeat that, it's just gone off a cliff. So I'm to the point with it where I'm not cutting Hollywood Brown. Don't mistake me for that. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but we'll move, you know, we'll get thoughts on that and then we'll move to the Steelers. But as far as cutting Hollywood Brown, I'm not quite cutting him yet, but I can't justify playing him at this time. We're going to have to see something. So how do you guys feel about that before we move off of Baltimore entirely? Is there, is there even a reason to roster
0: any of these guys? Are they rosterable? I'll just say in one of my shallower leagues, I actually dropped Hollywood Brown for Austin Hooper, and that's only because Noah Fant was questionable. So I just did it for backup tight end depth because that's that's pretty much how I feel about Hollywood Brown. If you're in a deeper league, yes, like keep him on your bench just because you know there is the chance he could break out. But if you're struggling at the position, like Hollywood Brown's doing nothing for you. So if you can get a guy who has some you know matchup base value, then go for it because what's the point if he's going to be putting up zero points in a game?
2: It's completely fair. All right. I think we've covered Baltimore and their struggles and all that, all that loveliness and what a mess that is, especially for a team that's that talented. So we've got a few minutes here. Unfortunately with the final team, it's the Steelers and the good news is there really isn't that much talk about in Pittsburgh. Uh, You're starting, you're starting all three of your receivers under normal circumstances, right? All three guys, at various levels, have all proven to be startable. Juju had been struggling to a point. We'll get into him in a moment. But the only thing that I think is really worth discussing, because, you know, James Conner is what James Conner is. None of the other running backs have any value. It's really just James Conner, Ben Roethlisberger, and the three wideouts, and then Eric Ebron, because tight end is such a wasteland. I feel pretty good about playing any of those guys any given week, here on a short week in a primetime game. But Ben Roethlisberger is the interesting one. Are we starting Ben Roethlisberger in this game, gentlemen?
0: You know, if you don't have a better option, then I definitely would because it depends on what players are sitting to COVID. If this game goes on, it seems like Pernell McPhee, I know he's not really going to do much to truly disrupt Ben, but there could be there could be some other inactives. But the Seahawks pass game has been humming lately. And, you know, Baltimore is going to do everything possible possibly can to stay afloat in this game. And hopefully it's close enough where Ben will be throwing the ball a lot more. And, plus i always love ben more when he's playing in the friendly confines Hyde field and i'm sure he agrees with that so i think he's a good play this week not a great play but good enough to start good enough to start okay
3: he's always gonna be like a back end like qb1 for me like kind of in the 15-ish range where you can definitely start him i'm just never fully in on him because the steelers don't want him to throw a lot they want to run it through james Conner and take it easy on Ben in that surgically repaired elbow that but that being said so much upside with all these weapons there that they can support Ben. But Because there's so many weapons there, I'm particularly worried about Juju Smith-Schuster, especially on the short week, because he was limited Tuesday with the foot injury that popped up over the weekend, stepped on a flag, rolled his ankle. He's fine, though. But this season, he's missed every Wednesday with the lingering knee injury. And I imagine he'll get that cleaned up in the offseason, be full go. But for now, he's coming on a short week. Last time he played the Ravens, you might look at it and see he tied for the team lead with eight targets, led the team with seven catches, led the team with 67 yards, and think perfect, fire him up. But remember, in that game, Deontay Johnson left early. And over the last three weeks, where we've had all three of them healthy, Juju, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson... Dante has led the way with 37 targets, so he's seen double-digit targets all three games. Claypool, he's second on the team in targets with 29. He has three touchdowns, leads the team now 10 on the season because Mapletron is a stud, and he's seen double digits in two games in that span. Juju, he is last on the team in targets with 25, and the only time he hit double digits was against the Bengals when the other two receivers hit double digits as well. So I am. all on board for team free juju and i'm all on board for you can't start ben but because this offense is all about deontay johnson and mapletron it just makes things tough from what we saw back in 2018 it's a change
2: it is certainly a change and i will say mapletron is a nickname for chase claypool is very underrated i'm just pointing that out because i don't know if everybody who's listening to this will know what that nickname is in reference to but yeah tony romo
3: hates it so
2: well, Tony Romo can keep doing his Corona commercials and cash his large checks, and he doesn't have to like everything, so that's entirely fine. Uh, Juju Smith stepping on a flag and injuring himself is kind of a metaphor for his season to this point. Um, it really kind of sums it up how his luck has kind of broken. Uh, but real quick, Jordan, before we kind of wrap things up here, what do you think? What do you what What do you think about about starting Juju and just any general thoughts on the Steelers wide receivers?
0: Yeah, I am hesitant just because he has been missing practice heading into this, and it seems like Deontay Johnson and Claypool are pretty much one A, one B, and you can mix that up however you want. And you know, Juju is kind of hasn't established himself as the alpha of this receiving core, so I don't know if he's worth start. I guess he is worth starting. I, I won't say he's not, but he got it kind of temper your expectations based on what we've seen and what's happened up to this point. But you could get lost in the crowd, and I think I say this every time I talk about the Steelers in a negative way, either in my articles or on the podcast, but there's too many mouths to feed uh, for the Steelers, and all of them can't be fed on a weekly basis, and especially when, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but especially when Eric Ebron averages 5.6 targets a game. That's just going to hurt everybody involved. Why
2: would yeah. wish you bring
0: that up. Why? It's it's relevant. It's relevant for this offense. (laughs) Oh, I know, but
2: oh, I want to cry now. Well, we're supposed to leave people feeling good about themselves, Jordan, at the end of a show. And you've completely just pooped all over that. So now I have to figure out a way to fill. And, you know, I I really appreciate the the hole that you've put us in by bringing up Eric Ebron. However, I will totally concede that you are right to bring that up. Because as depressing as I find that individually, and it is. Facts are facts. Facts don't care about your feelings. Eric Ebron averages 5.6 targets a game. Caught a 20-yard touchdown last week. Tight end is so bad that Eric Ebron will be starting for the rest of the way, unless he gets hurt or something hideously bad happens. But yeah, for me, I see it probably the same way you guys do. I lowered Juju a little bit. Recently, I've been having all three of them as wide receiver twos. Deontay Johnson, Mapletron, top-end wide receiver twos. Sometimes back-end wide receiver ones and during the buys, and Juju slots in as a low end wide receiver 2 top end to flex. For me this week, I have Juju in flex territory, little nervous that something flares up on him during the game. And Juju, you might actually have better options. That is possible because of his struggles throughout the year to get to here. And, uh, but as far as this goes, I've got I've got Ben Roethlisberger at QB 12 this week. I feel like you could totally do worse. You might as well roll it out there. Both wide receivers are top-end wide receiver twos in Mapletron and Chase Claypool. Again, James Conner is what it is, and Eric Ebron is what it is. You're going to play them. If they're playing for the Steelers, they're playing for you. So it it's icky, but that's just kind of the way that the cookie crumbles. And, you know, personally speaking, I think the Steelers are going to win this game. And I I think they're actually going to you know, they're actually should be able to to move the ball. Baltimore's defense is good, but they're not immortal. They are, you know, fallible. You can't beat them. You can't beat them through the air. And I think that may be how this ends up. And what'll kill Baltimore for me is if they have anything more than one turnover, I'll give them, they can have one interception and still probably win that game. But if they have two turnovers or more, I think their win percentage drops off a cliff. I don't see how they're going to come back from having even two turnovers, given what they've done at this point. But, Anyway, that's it, folks. Thursday, done and dusted in the books. So I tell you what, guys, let's go around the table here for final thoughts. And just let's let's let us let people get on to their holiday. Jack, where the, can the people find you on social media and what do you got?
3: You can find me everywhere at Javanagh 87. And make sure you come back on Friday night, Saturday morning. You can check out the Sunday pre-show with me and at that FF nerd, Jason Draven. And of course, Jordan McDonald's will, I'll I'll let introduce himself. However, tune into that and yeah, go lions. No, sorry. Don't go lions. Fire Matt, Patricia and give (laughs) the lions the proper Thanksgiving that they want. The people of Detroit
2: need a W Jordan. Where can the people find you on social media? And what do you got? Final thoughts.
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Donald McJordan. I'm pretty good. Follow based on what Jack tells me, but I think he's just paid to say that. And I had a fun time on this show, and and Friday shows should be interesting. Everybody enjoy your football, enjoy your turkey if you're celebrating on Thursday. And I I will try not to have a Freudian slip. So just go football. I mean i, I don't have any <laughs> I don't have any skin in the game on Thursday. But you know I have a few fantasy players that I hope play well because uh, some of my seasons are kind of on the brink here.
2: I have DeAndre Swift in so many leagues, I can't even explain to you. <laughs> I, I have him in like every dynasty league I play
3: him. Yeah, come except on. For, except for the important nonsense dynasty league, Once which I have don't. him in. So, dagger to my heart. Y'all don't know how to spend money in
2: that league. We don't even have time. We're already running long on this show. We'll have to talk about that on a different day about how that league actually works and how the money gets allocated and how that actually works. But from the important nonsense family to your family. Have a lovely Thanksgiving. Once again, I'm Neil Smith. You can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Neil. Come and argue with me on the fantasy life app about trades. Come and argue with me on Twitter about why all my takes are garbage. That does seem to be the theme. Feel free. I can take it. I'm the big boy. But again, enjoy the holiday if you're in the States. If you're not in the States, enjoy the football Thursday with the extended games. Hopefully they can get, you can get out of work early and and uh and kind of tune into that. Although I will say Probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time or PTO or anything like that with the early slate. And uh, everybody stay safe and keep up the nonsense.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!